Hello and welcome to this special holiday edition of the Superhero Ethics Podcast. Today we are talking about one of the most controversial, ethics-ridden, always a debate about it genre of movies, the Christmas movie. We're going to be discussing what is a Christmas movie, what are some of our favorite or least favorite examples, what needs to happen or shouldn't need to happen, and why is this such an incredibly strong genre for one particular holiday of one particular religion uh, in in this country and to some extent all around the world. And uh, joining me, I have two different experts. First of all, I have Abby Nyman, who has been on this podcast a number of times before and is a Christmas movie expert extraordinaire. Abby, you want to say hello and uh, just give a little bit of your background? Hi. I don't know that I would go with Christmas movie extraordinaire, but certainly a Hallmark movie aficionado. Okay. Well, that, that's a very particular subgenre that often is thought of as part of the, the you know, the, the, how that plays in the large genre is very much the topic we'll be getting into. Um, and uh, Andy, what is, uh, I think of you as just a film guru, uh, say a bit about who you are, what your perspective is. Yeah, I, you know, as a passionate lover of film, you know, with, uh, you know, our film podcasting that we do over on the next reel and all of our shows, I, I see such a wide variety of, of movies. And I certainly do and always have loved Christmas movies. Um, but as as I've gotten older, and I guess as the genre has broadened in so many ways, um, I do find that I'm, I'm you know, I, I, I have a particular, I, I like a lot of them. I just don't, I, I'm not like any Christmas movie I'll take, but I do like mm-hmm. quite a variety. And I always like that it does create such, <laughs> such a, a variety of interesting <laughs> debates. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I grew up in a loosely religious household i guess that's fair to say loosely you know christian based uh household never very strong and certainly is something that's um faded in in my life as i've as i've grown um i i to the point where i wouldn't even call myself religious i um that being said i i i think that there it's what i enjoy about the season itself is that it just is a a warm and welcoming season that feels mm-hmm. like it's something that's you know it's close to the end of the year and so that paired with new year's always feel like a a period to like you know reflect and you know be surrounded by friends and family and uh gear up for the big shift that is the new year and all of those um resolutions that you have and all that sort of stuff. So I suppose that's kind of my draw to it still, you know, I mean, we still hang some decorations up on the house and things like that. Um, I'm very minimal compared to many people these days, but, (laughs) but it's, it's one of those things where it's just, there's a vibe that I think, you know, we've always kind of uh, connected with. Yeah. Well, and I love what you said, because I I think you're getting at something that I think is actually a very important part of you know, the question of Christmas in general, but especially of Christmas movies and also like music and how big it, a role it plays in our in our culture. And we say our United States, but also in many parts of the world, certainly not all though, which is that for many people, Christmas is now much more of a secular holiday and that it is, you know, it kind of has these religious overtones, but it's much more about family and togetherness and generosity and light and hope in the midst of darkness and, and sadness and things like that. Um, and kind of give my own background – I, I am a Christian. I'm a religious person, a person of faith. I used to be a pastor. And I've always had kind of a weird relationship to Christmas media from the other perspective, which is that for me, this holiday is a very, very theological one. And I absolutely don't care if anybody else doesn't, you know, appreciate that. Like, no one has to celebrate my religious holiday by any means. And I love that everybody has a holiday about gift giving and secularness and, and, and trees and all this. But it's always been kind of weird to me that all this stuff that I know is the basis of the holiday, which again, I don't ever want to – like we shouldn't have a public holiday that's out there that's all like Jesus is born. Everyone in the country has to care about it. But I certainly care about it. And so um, it, it's always been a little weird to me that all these movies are much more about like the one level of derivation or even two or three levels of derivation from that. And thus, I think it is very funny that one of the movies that we watched for, to get ready for this is the, one of the most theological movies that I've seen in a very long time about Christmas from a, a source I would have never expected it from, um, which we'll get to when we talk about our own individual movies. But so that's what I, and I, but I certainly have always loved Christmas movies. 
Um, I think particularly those that I think, while not in any way being explicitly, and it's not, again, I don't want there to be mass market movies that are Christian. Like my faith is my faith and should not be what everyone has to deal with. But it's just weird to me that there's stuff based on my faith, but not really. But I do love the like the messages that often are of the season of like family coming together or of like, you know, the, you know, generosity um, as, as one of my favorite memes of this time is that the the Christmas Carol perfectly captures the Christmas spirit, which is that billionaires must be supernaturally terrified in order to be nice to their workers. <laughs> um, you know, but like, you know, whatever it is. I love that. Um, so so let's actually start there. Um, and Andy, I'll start with you. What is a Christmas movie? What what makes something a Christmas movie? I mean, it's always such a debate. And, you know, there are there are movies that are clearly, obviously Christmas movies, you know, things that involve Santa Claus or, or you know, people coming together and like the family. And I think when you think of Christmas movies uh, that are like definitive Christmas movies, it's the setting. It takes place like during the season. It's a story about mm-hmm. family and relationships. It often involves actual like Christmas elements that we kind of tie into it, whether secular or religious, you know, but just usually it's, it's the movies tend to be a little more on the secular side as far as like, mm-hmm. it's about Santa Claus and the reindeer on the roof and hanging up Christmas lights and things like that. And, and I think, um, that's kind of, I don't know where I would go with kind of your um, typical Christmas movie. And they certainly come in all shapes and sizes. You know, you look at something like Christmas Vacation, which takes the vacation franchise and ties the comedy of the Griswolds into family, but it's very specifically um, their uh, Mm -hmm. Christmas story. Um, And then you have, uh, you know, broader ones that kind of explore um, things like Elf and, and, you know, it's, it's, I mean, there, there's a lot of comedy with those and, and there's romantic comedy and, you know, there certainly is the drama ones and things like Miracle on 34th street about, you know, reinforcing your belief in Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's, I think for me, I'd say the definitive, easy to define, easy checkbox, even right. easy checkbox Christmas, you know, as opposed to things like Die Hard, which as you brought up, brings so much more <laughs> debate into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Abby, what about for you? What makes something a Christmas movie? Yeah, I think kind of along the same lines. Uh, to me, it's the <clears throat> plot has to be affected by it being Christmas. Mm. Whether that's a story about Santa or, you know, have people hanging up the lights on their house or whatever. It's there has to be some connection to Christmas other than this is a movie happening at Christmas and the fact that it's happening at Christmas makes absolutely no difference, a la right. Die Hard. <laughs> so, so for you, so and that, that can be a start to get into the question. So, for you, something like Die Hard or Batman Returns, those are not Christmas movies because they just they have this sort of accoutrement of Christmas, but the Christmasness isn't a fundamental part of the movie. Yes. Are we starting our debates now, or should we save that for? <laughs> uh, I, I think let's let's. Here, here's the way I want to get into it. Um, I want us to try and go through and see if we can name and then discuss a bit what we think the different subgenres of Christmas movies are. And I think when we, I think one of the possible subgenres is movies that just take place at Christmas time, and so that's when we can get into that one. Sure. Um, so let me kind of just throw some out, and then you all can also add ones that you don't think I have, but also just like, let's talk about each one as I name them. So first of all, I think kind of the most basic is what you're talking about. Um, Andy, I think your definition actually named a couple ones, but I'll, I'll, I'll kind of try to summarize those quickly. I think there is the the family coming together because the family or the friends or someone like that are celebrating Christmas, and the spirit of Christmas is like a part of that. Um a second thing I think you mentioned is the, you know, the movie is about the sort of characterizations that have been built up around Christmas. And that's Santa Claus and elves and some of the other kind of like maybe supernaturally things around that. Um, and then a third one that I mentioned, um, and we'll just kind of start with these three, is basically retellings of either uh, A Christmas Carol or It's a Wonderful Life, which I think at this point kind of constitutes its own subgenre uh with a lot of overlap um what are thoughts on those three do those three like make sense to you all as genres 
Yeah, I mean, I think so. I, I think there's there. I mean, I mean, even just looking at film genres in general, and then going, okay, can I apply these over to Christmas mm-hmm. movies? And and then I think yes, you can see how they're they do kind of fit in with those different things. You know, I mean, I think the, the I mean, the, there are certainly more examples. You know, there are very religious Christmas films, things like the nativity story. I mean, those also Mm -hmm. exist, uh, a genre that we're probably not gonna spend too much time talking about as fun as it is, but there are plenty of horror Christmas films, which, uh, you know, I just watched (laughs) violent night last night and had a wonderful time with it. And, um, and so I, I, there's also, sorry, sorry. sorry. Um, and, and, you know, musicals, animated films. I mean, there's so many different ways that you could approach this, but I think, you know, in the broad scope, like there's the comedy, the drama, you know, there's there's a few of those that I think work well. And yeah, I think I, I think you're right. The telling of, uh, you know, Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol has become so uh, key in in just kind of Christmas lore, let's just say that it almost is a genre as a, like into its own, as you said, like yeah. there are so many versions of it, reiterations of it, even something like. Um, uh, I'm blanking on the name of it, but the Will Ferrell, uh, Ryan Reynolds one that just came out last year is in some way another version of that where, you know, the character actually is Ebenezer Scrooge later in life, you know, and things like that. So it's, it's interesting how, um, that really has become so defining of kind of the Christmas character arc, really. Right. And there's certainly a lot of good. There are certainly a lot of retellings of uh, A Christmas Carol out there, but I feel like the category should be maybe larger to Mm. also encompass like Christmas lore in general, because you get a lot of movies about like how Santa became a thing like Klaus um, or like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Those are all very connected to Christmas and you see a lot of retellings or different interpretations yeah. But they aren't a Christmas carol. One thing I was thinking is I, I mentioned It's a Wonderful Life as part of this. And certainly, I don't know if this is still true, but it used to be that starting around December 5th, there was never a point in the 24 hours of the day, every day from that until Christmas, when there wasn't at least one channel showing It's a Wonderful Life. Um, <laughs> and I, my as I think about it, I can think of numerous TV shows that have had a character have sometimes very explicitly, sometimes kind of as a parody, uh, their own version of the It's a Wonderful Life Christmas story. I don't know that many movies. Have there been movies that you all can think of that are retellings of It's a Wonderful Life or people kind of thought like Jimmy Stewart did it best and let's just leave it alone? Well, I mean, there's, you know, as we are recording this, there's a brand new one that has just been released called It's a Wonderful Knife. Uh, which is uh, it's the it's the horror comedy version of that that's made okay, by the people okay. who did um, like the new um, freaked you know that and the kind of like this there's that uh, group of people who's taking like some classic genres like they did the Groundhog Day and now that's Happy Death Day and they're turning these these great like uh, key films and turning them into horror and so mm-hmm. that's the newest one I'm trying to think if there are any other May, Abby you might know of some I'm, I'm trying to think of any. I can't really think of any movies. Yeah. yeah, I can come up with like probably five to ten TV shows off the top of my head. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, and, and some where they did it quite seriously. Married with Children did a, uh, a parody of it, where Sam Kinison is the angel, uh, which is hilarious. I think like Futurama have done it, but yeah, not too many movies. Oh, you know, actually, would you say um, the Nicolas Cage movie, The Family Man? That's my recollection of that one is it's kind of similar. Like, yeah, yeah, I guess he, you're right. He's remembering or he sees a different version of his life where he's married because he was a, a like a stone cold mm-hmm. businessman sort of thing. Um, that's one that comes to mind. The only one that's yeah. actually coming to my mind right now. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. That's fair. I'll also mention I'm as another. Sure I... sub... Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll say I'll also mention as another subgenre that we're probably not going to explore too much, but is worth naming. Because as far as I can tell, it's fairly recent. Um, I think Arnold Schwarzenegger started it, but it is the it's Christmas Eve and you haven't bought your child the perfect <laughs> toy yet. And so now you are fighting with other parents to get the last version of the G.I. Joe doll or the Cabbage Patch Kid or whatever that is. Uh, Jingle <laughs> All the Way with Schwarzenegger and Sid Bad, I think, started that. But now there's been like five or six. So 
I'm willing to call that a subgenre in and of itself of <laughs> uh, for a very anti-capitalist holiday, perhaps the most like all hail capitalism. Um, but I'm going to keep my religious thoughts as far away as I can. Um, Abby, what's the uh, general rating of this uh, podcast? Can uh, I curse? Yeah, we can curse. That's fine. Okay. Um, I think that that genre you're mentioning, I think, can be, again, broadened to just Christmas fuck-ups, because there's mm-hmm. also movies like uh, Christmas with the Cranks and things like, um, oh, what is it called? It's a kid's movie where they all get stuck in an airport over Christmas with no adults, because, of course, they do. Um, <laughs> but it's just yeah. generally, like, Christmas mayhem. Yeah. That's fair. I, for me, the anti-capitalistness is what makes me focus on the like we have to buy the perfect thing. But you're right; I think there's a lot of overlaps there. Um, let's talk about a genre that probably has always been with us, but I think has gotten a lot more attention in recent years. Now there's a a, a uh, cable channel mostly dedicated to it. Abby, tell us about the Christmas romance and and Christmas rom com. I think is often how it's thought, but you've had some conversation with me about how Christmas romance might be the more appropriate term sometimes. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely Christmas rom-coms, but I do think just Christmas romance is a, like, fairly strong uh, Mm subgenre. The most recent movie that I can think of was one that was released last year. It's called The Noel Diary, I believe. And the story is all about um, this man whose mother died and he's going to clean out her hoarder house. Uh, and in doing so, he finds a journal, and the journal belongs to this reporter's birth mother, who she never knew. And so they go on this trek to, like, meet her birth father from this diary. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is I – mean, there are comedic moments in it, but it is very strongly a drama, um, mm-hmm. and like a romance drama. Right. And I think there are other stories like that. And they've become very popular kind of along with, like, the resurgence of romance novels, um, mm. especially with, like, TikTok. BookTok is very into the romance novel, uh, very into the romantic tropes. Right. So I can very closely see the connection of why people are suddenly gearing back into this. Yeah, and, and talk a little bit more about that why, because... I, the Hallmark movies, especially, which I think in some ways is kind of its own subgenre of the subgenre, you know, the, the the joke is always that they're incredibly predictable in terms of like there's the stock characters you have, and it's you know almost always the the big city woman and the small town guy, although not always. Is the in particular the movie that you had us watch is not does not follow that, but he's almost always wearing a plaid shirt and all that. What what do you think it is that that drives the the kind of appeal of these more recently, especially ones where there is so much predictability that I think often gets made fun of, but as I've come to understand it, it's actually a really positive for, for those who really love these. Yeah. I think one of the big things about the season, like people were talk- like you guys were talking about, of like uh, bringing people together and seeing the light and the darkness, especially for those of us who live in areas that get real cold. Um, <laughs> it is very dark, very cold, very hard to find the happy and the joy, and it just turns into stress. So these Christmas movies are almost a stress-free watching experience because you know generally the storyline it's going to take and you know that the couple's going to end up together in the end. Sometimes it's not the couple you expect, but the couple's going to end up together and everyone's going to be happy and celebrate Christmas. So it's kind of the value of the predict the, the predictability is itself a virtue of those in many ways? Yeah. It's like going back and watching your favorite TV show over and over again. It's just, you know what happens, but it's still fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Annie, what's your thoughts on this particular subgenre? I don't know how much you've explored the the Hallmark Christmas, or even, like, I, I will say the Hallmark, but also, I mean, like, Love Actually was a huge movie, and I think that's very much a Christmas romance. Like, there's, there's certainly been a lot more big mass market ones as well. Yeah, I, I mean, there's definitely a... Uh, a place for those films and and like that that style of romance during the holiday season obviously in the whole idea of christmas movies having this element of family relationships connection um you know healing all those sorts of things you can you can see how it's really kind of a perfect genre for a lot of that sort of stuff i've generally um 
uh, have never really been too much of a fan of of TV movies in general. There are there are some that I really do enjoy. Um, but, uh, and the Hallmark movies, like the, the phenomenon, let's just call it of Hallmark movies, <laughs> the way that it like turned into the, it's, it's own behemoth. I don't know, like in the past decade, it seems where it's like, as soon as December rolled around, it was like a new movie a day is really what it, they mm-hmm. seemed to be cranking out. And, you know, I, I mean, I enjoy, you know, being a part of the process I've, I've been involved uh, off and on in the film industry. I, I have friends who actually um, make Hallmark movies right now. In fact, they just, they're, um, uh, what was it called? The Biltmore Christmas or something? Like they just worked on that one, which just came out and was huge. And A Merry Scottish Christmas, which also was this year. And and so now they're in this point where they're they're basically making Christmas movies year round, which I think is really funny that like they can't get away from Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, but I think that the the genre in and of itself though, I think is a really interesting one because- it, I think it has created something that is very consumable, uh, let's just say, where it's – I mean, they, they put them out at such a, a furious rate that I, I think it's not really designed anymore to be something that is watched annually. And that's kind of like Christmas movies, you know uh, – well, growing up, it was a different thing. But, but even today, like – from my generation, I feel like there's this draw to having those same movies that we'd all yeah. put on every year and like, let's sit around and watch Elf. Let's sit around and watch a Christmas story. Let's watch It's a Wonderful Life. Um, uh, you know, and that's, I think that for me, that was always a part of the joy of of the Christmas movie. Uh, but it's it's kind of like they've taken on a different thing, which is like, we're just going to tweak the story over and over again and give people similar versions of the same story with a lot of the same beats all the tropes, uh, but there's a little bit of a difference with it. And so it's not necessarily my cup of tea. Um, but that being said, uh, you know, I, <laughs> having watched the movie that Abby recommended, you know, just as a, as a note, I walked into it in a, like a, a, a low point. I was not very, uh, having a bad day. Let's just say when I went in and watched it and as much as it didn't click with it, I was certainly cheered up by the end of it. And so that's, I think, the the interesting magic that they've tapped into with them is yeah. it doesn't it can be consumable. You know, it's like a candy mm-hmm. cane. It tastes good once it's it's like one and done and and you know, and then you can kind of move on to the next one. And so I find it to be such a fascinating shift that has allowed these movies to kind of propagate in a way where it's different than before, but in a way it's creating the same feeling. Yeah. I, I really get that. I think I think Abby, the way you explained it, and Abby, Andy, what you're adding, really helped me to figure them out more because, like, one thing I'm thinking of is I, I kind of have the reverse of seasonal affective disorder. So I don't know why standing under a giant ball of fire is so much fun for the rest of you, but for me, having it gone most of the time is great. Um, <laughs> but I certainly would understand that, like, Christmas itself, the holiday season itself, like, is incredibly stressful. Um you have to get the right gift for all people. You know, I think this is even more so true for parents, but for anybody, you know, are, what holiday party is you going to go to? What are you going to say to different people? Dealing with all the family stress of, you know, either going to be with your family or just like people who aren't, um, you know, Abby, I love you talking about, you know, like, and, and you're certainly not the only Jewish person who loved this, these movies. And I've, uh, a friend of mine who asked about this said, you know, it's the one way she gets to deal with the fact of like everyone is telling her about Christmas all season long, something she has no interest in and no participation in. And here's one way to like, it's a nice escape from the stress. And so I, yeah, I can totally get that is why it's, uh, I, I think as the season has become much more stressful, it, it seems like that that's added, that's a big part of why they're so much more popular. As well as, I think this is probably a, a smaller reason, but I do think it's a thing. I know a lot of folks who like, they go home to see their family and there's, hey mom, how are you doing? It's good to see you. And then once it starts getting around to, well, why don't I have grandkids yet? Or, you know, what do you think about what's happening politically? Oh, let's turn on a movie, you know? And the Hallmark Christmas movies are just very safe to watch together. Um, and so I think that, that can be one more way of just the like, it can be your own personal way to escape the stress, but it could also be like, yeah, let's get together as a group and like we'll do a puzzle together or we'll watch a Hallmark movie. And that way we won't – we'll remember that we're family who loves each other instead of people who want to tear each other's throats out because of who you voted for last time or whatever it is. <laughs> On that topic, I think it's important to note that uh, 
like the Hallmark and Lifetime Christmas movies have been getting more progressive. We've seen mm-hmm. gay characters. We've seen Jewish characters. Uh, sometimes there's a black lead. Very yep. rarely, but it happens. <laughs> um, but because of that, there has been big drama in the Christmas movie world where some of the stars have broken off into form the, what is it called? The Great American Family Network, which Kirk Cameron, yep. Uh, Candace Cameron. Uh, oh, right. Can- Kirk Cameron's brother. Kirk Cameron helps support sister. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they created what is essentially a Christmas, uh, a Christian Christmas movie network that upholds, and I say this with the largest of air quotes, uh, American family values, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. it's very white and very straight. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny because, Annie, when you were mentioning that there have been some movies that that do mention the religious aspects of Christmas, there have been, and some that are great, but an awful lot of them, including one that I know is out in theaters right now, that I might watch just so I can tear apart how horribly inaccurate it is, I mean, to the folklore of the story, I'm not claiming biblical accuracy, but often they're made also by the very conservative parts of the the Christian right, and I, I think that... You know, it's interesting. There's there's a whole other thing about that that we can get into. Um, so as a way of talking about this, like how far do the edges go in terms of what is or isn't a Christmas movie? Do you think something has to have a message in order to be a Christmas movie? Does it have to have some kind of like family is great or you can always change and be a better person? Like I'm naming some of the, the kind of morals that a lot of Christmas movies have. Um, and there are others certainly, you know. But do you think it has to have something like that to be a Christmas movie? I think the idea of that lesson that the character undergoes is generally kind of a key part of it. You know, I think of George Bailey. Um, we've already talked about uh, Ebenezer Scrooge. You know, there is this element of that character kind of learning that lesson. I mean, it's in a it's a story element anyway, the idea of character arc, you know, of, of character actually going through a change. And that's what we're really drawn to. But in a Christmas story, when we do see that person go through this change of, you know, learning that they are important or learning to uh, give instead of take, you know, there's, I I think there's a value to that. I don't know if it's um, uh, always critical, but I do think that that, I don't know. For me, I feel like um, it's a it's one of those things that really helps it get there. And you know, I think when you have that list of check boxes that you're ticking, they don't all necessarily need to be ticked. But as long as most are ticked, I think it can fit into the kind of Christmas genre. That's one that I think you know. Generally, I do like to see ticked in my Christmas yeah. movies. But it's I guess it's not always there. But I do like that. Sure. Abby, I think, what about like you? you said, it's. To me, that's an essential part of any movie, is having something that you're trying to say. So I don't necessarily consider it a key aspect of a Christmas movie, Mm -hmm. so much as a key aspect of an enjoyable watch experience. That's fair. That's fair. I I think for me, the idea that it is a message, but even more specifically that it is a message that I kind of associate... Again, not necessarily with the religious aspects of Christmas, but the kind of just general like family togetherness, but also like renewal and rebirth and like you can always start again. You can always make up for the the things you have done, the the learning to have empathy and that like giving is better than taking and, and all those kind of things. I, I think those are for me essential to it being a Christmas movie, but I think it's part of the point is that, you know, we all get to see it differently. But I'm going to use that to – oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, and I think it's, it's you know, like any story, as we've kind of been saying, but I do think that it's it's key to note that it can be the main character who goes through that transformation, or you can have a story where the main character is already, you know, on the line, let's just say, and by the process of being such a good person in the world, they're the one who's actually changing all the other characters around them. I'm thinking of something like Arthur Christmas is where I was kind of Mm. using as a reference point for that. Yeah. No, I think that totally makes sense. Um, The segue I was going to do, though, is that as a way to start the debate, I would like to suggest that I, I, for me at least, a movie being set at Christmas time is not enough to make it a Christmas movie. 
So, for example, I would not describe Batman Returns as a Christmas movie. It, it very much happens at Christmas, and it has the aesthetics of Christmas, absolutely. But there is a movie in which the two main characters, or the, the main character and his sidekick, um, both are people who are estranged from something that they really care about because of mistakes they've made in the past. One is estranged from his family. The other is estranged from the part of his career that he most wants to do. And in the course of the movie, they find ways to learn to be better, to learn to forgive themselves and to seek forgiveness for those things uh, from the the people that they've been disconnected with. And I'm talking about Die Hard. Um, So I would put forward that Die Hard is a Christmas movie because it's an action movie, but it holds up the spirit, those spirits of Christmas. Uh, debate has been opened. Uh, respond. Tell me how wrong I am. Go off in a whole other direction because my idiocy is not even worth discussing, uh, as you would. Well, do you want to debate for or against first? Because I have a feeling I'll be for <laughs> and Abby will be against. I'll admit it's – I've seen Die Hard once and I can't say I was awake through all of it. That's so, fair. That's fair. I don't. I don't know that I get a full opinion here. I, I guess Abby, I'm, I feel like I'm kind of strat because I know you and I talked about this before, and you helped me. I think come to the idea that it just being during Christmas time isn't enough to make it a Christmas movie. And what I'm sort of saying is that, like, I agree with that, but that one of the movies I think that is often thought of that way, Die Hard, I actually do think is more of a Christmas movie than people give it credit for. So maybe it's not a debate; it's a three-way discussion. Andy, where, where are you on all this? You, you know, I. It's a film that I think because it does have the the kind of the family values, it's a broken family that feels like through the process of of this traumatic situation that they go through, they are brought back together. I feel like there is this uh, this reconnection that we have uh, between John and his wife by the time we get to the end of the film. And so that to me, you know, feels like we're learning some lessons. We have Al who kind of goes through his own growth because of his conversations with John and, and, and getting past some issues that he's had. I mean, again, it ties into general film characters journeys that we have, but because it is this story of, you know, it's a Christmas Eve party. I don't know why they're having a Christmas Eve, but they are. It's a Christmas Eve party. It's all like the music has Christmas elements in it. Everything feels very tied into Christmas. John McClane has some some great Christmas uh, one-liners that he throws out. Uh, now I have a gun, ho, ho, ho. You know, things like that that <laughs> I think it, it just feels like they're they're pulling on Christmas in a really fun way that sure it is an r-rated action film <laughs> with tons of action and and blood and violence that you don't normally associate with a christmas film but i do think that it is that that family connection that we end up growing into toward the end of the film that does for me help it really kind of be defined yeah. as a christmas film like you know, I, I am being a little bit tongue-in-cheek here. I'm not saying that the slaughter of this movie is very much in line with the celebration of the birth of the Prince of Peace. Um, and, and Andy, when you mentioned the kind of the feel-good, like, it's Christmas time, so it's time to watch these movies, um, I was very troubled that you didn't met, mention A Muppet Christmas Carol during that, but I assume that you meant to, you just didn't get a chance. Um, but it, it's not going to be one of those movies to me. I, I'm just saying I think it's a little more of a Christmas movie than some people might give it credit for. It, well, and it's funny because, I mean, Bruce Willis himself said it's not a Christmas movie. It's a goddamn Bruce Willis movie, which yeah. is very funny. <laughs> and, you know, as a franchise, typically in a franchise, you would have if it's a Christmas movie, like it would continue developing with Christmas movies. Um, none of the sequels. I mean, the second one's at the win- in winter, but uh, it's not really defined as a Christmas story so oh, yeah, much as right. the first one is. Um you know, and I, I say all of that. It's the same thing with the 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 uh, you know um, Christmas Vacation, which is very much, I think, a Christmas movie. Um, but it's not like any of those other Griswold mm-hmm. films have have felt the need to go Christmas. So it's, I mean, it is hard to. I, I think this is just these are all elements that give it the the endless debate: is this going to be a Christmas film or not? And yeah, you know, I, I'm okay with the debate because I think that's part of the fun. Of the yeah. whole thing. 
I think, you know, when when you're kind of sick of other parts, you know, like, hey, Grandpa, stop talking about Trump. Uh, what do you think of the Christmas movie? Like, that's a yeah. good one to segue with. Um, <clears throat> we can go a lot deeper on this, but I want to talk about the individual movies each one of us uh, had us watch. Uh, because I think that they're they're going to bring up a lot of the same discussions we're having, but get a little more specific. Um, Abby, let's start with yours. Uh, t- tell us a little bit about the Enchanted Christmas Cake. Okay, so I picked this movie because I remembered watching it last year and thinking this is such a fun, stupid romp. There's mm-hmm. nothing serious happening here. It's just silliness. Um basic storyline is this woman uh her grandmother dies she's taking over the bakery but this grandma has this epic love story with her husband where they fall in love with this enchanted christmas cake and so the woman is trying to create recreate this christmas cake that her grandmother has become famous for um just in time for christmas to keep her bakery afloat um and she is Met by a movie pro- or a TV producer who's kind of unhappy with his job and who they just genuinely like each other. So they hang out and then they solve the mystery just mm-hmm. because. <laughs> like there's there's so little drama in this movie. Yeah. It's just let's bake cake. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's sort of like proof of concept of the Hallmark movie. I thought it was a great example. You know, it's it had some fun moments. The conflict between once the couple has established they want to be together, but now they have to have a will they, won't they, felt ridiculously contrived to eye-roll-worthy levels. But I think that's kind of the point. Like, one thing I, I've kind of learned is that even among the people who really, really love these, laughing at the silly moments is kind of part of the joy, you know? Um, Absolutely. There's very, I don't think, I don't think there's anyone out there being like, Hallmark movies should be Oscar nominated. Like, I love them for that reason. Um, <laughs> no, the hate watch is definitely a part of it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can see that. And, and I, I guess, the, I, I, I imagine that the writers and actors know that, you know, because so, everything just seems a little over the top. But, you know, I I watched it. It made me think happy things. As you said, you know, Andy, it's kind of hard not to smile after it. Uh, I really wanted cake at the end of it, which is not the best thought for me to be having at one o'clock in the afternoon, but it definitely put it there. Um <laughs> yeah, it, it it felt like a fun, silly movie that I didn't take anything away from, but but just got a happy feeling from watching. My wife and I watched it, and one, she could not stop talking about how much she hated the woman's hair. She's like, what is up with her hair? <laughs> like, she had such an issue with the hair, and I'm just hair blind, apparently, because I'm like, I don't know, I thought it looked okay. But we walked away uh, obsessed with the idea, so obsessed with the idea of making Lebkuchen that we started digging up recipes and we're like, okay, how do we make this delicious cake? We need to have some right now. Let's start ordering ingredients so that we can make it. It's Don't kind forget of like, the marzipan. Yeah, it pushed us into that place where we're like, now we have to have this. This I could be that. an annual tradition at Christmas. We're going to make Lebkuchen. <laughs> We still have to make it and see if we like it, but it, it, it's funny. Like, that's the sort of thing that this movie did to us. And uh-huh. it's, I mean, it is so silly and all of the plot points are so obvious and expected. Um, and, and that's why it's just like not my type of movie. And I really like look for things that usually have a little more meat to them. But at the same time, like I said, I walked away. I'm like, I'm no longer in a bad mood. This movie yeah. did what it needed to do. It cheered me up. It gave me a, a little slice of, of of cheese, and I ate it and and really enjoyed it afterwards. So it's 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 that sort of movie, and it's it's it was so funny to kind of look at it and um, just kind of get that get that connection from something like this because I think I think this may be the first Hallmark Christmas movie that I've actually seen Hallmark or Lifetime. Mm, yeah. it, technically, it's a Lifetime. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I, I guess but I'm I not really sure where the difference is, if there is one, or if it's just purely because it's on those particular networks. It's just different networks. Yeah. 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 It, it did feel like some of the tropes this didn't quite hit. Like, first of all, it, it's the big – the guy is more from the big city, and she's kind of like – she's not from the big city, but she seems more just like from a decently affluent suburb and not quite like small town, and there wasn't quite so much of that like – you got to put down your cell phone and learn to embrace small town folksy Christmas values. Like, um, uh, <laughs> but, but still had a lot of that same, those same plot points and things, I think. Yeah. Uh, Andy, let's talk about yours because as I said, yours winds up actually being 
like very specifically naming some of the theological ideas behind Christmas in the first couple minutes in a Japanese anime about a homeless trans woman and her two friends. <laughs> uh, so it was not the movie I was expecting on all sorts of levels. T- 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 tell us about, about Tokyo Godfathers. Uh, yeah, Satoshi Kon is such an interesting uh, filmmaker who sadly uh, passed away at a very, very young age and only ended up making, I think, four or five films total. They're all incredibly um, well-made Really interesting stories, definitely worth watching. Uh, but this is like the Christmas story that he told, Tokyo Godfathers. And it is pulling a lot of these Christmas elements from uh, kind of from like the religious. Well, there's there's the religious story uh, inclusion of things like the three wise men that we have here, the, uh, the baby that is, uh, you know, you could essentially say the little baby is kind of like um, the baby Jesus of this particular story. Um, it, it takes place at Christmas time. It's Christmas Eve uh, in Tokyo as we're having all of this. There's definitely that sense of kind of this magical realism throughout that kind of ties into a lot of the Christmas th- uh, stories. But I definitely think that the the main crux of, of kind of what you're bringing up is this sense that we, you know, it is the story of these three homeless people, but it is like a, a trans woman, an alcoholic and a runaway child who are the three homeless people who end up finding this baby as they're looking for something to eat or I can't remember what they're searching for, but they find this this baby and end up kind of, one, they, they want to take care of it themselves and then realize they need to find the mother. And it turns into this journey story for them, much like the three wise men going to, you know, following the star and everything as they're trying to figure out the mystery of, of finding, um, you know, who the baby's mother is, where the baby's mother is. uh, And along the way, and this is again, a key element of the story is each of our characters has this uh, sense of redemption um, as they're working on their journey to help, uh, help this baby find its mother. And, uh, you know, you've got just, it's a beautiful, like there's this real message of hope with the story and, and how good people can be despite their differences. I think all of these elements um, have kind of come together to tell a story that's so completely unexpected, but I mean, it just grows in estimation with me every time I see it. And I just feel uh, like uh, more and more drawn to it. Like every, every holiday season. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really beautiful the way it, like the, you know, there's definitely some very strong illusions of Christmas The the trans woman starts out kind of telling a joke about like, if a virgin can get pregnant, then why can't she, you know, she's just <laughs> as much a, a woman as Mary. And then they find this baby. Uh, the baby's name is, uh, and also the, the, that woman, uh, her, I should name the characters. Her name is uh, Hana. Uh, Jin is the alcoholic and Miyuku. Uh, is, and I may well be getting these wrong names wrong, in which case I apologize. Uh, is the the homeless teenager, uh, the runaway teenager, and then Kyoko is the the name they give to the baby, which is the Japanese translation of Silent Night, which also means pure child. Hmm. Um, but as you said, it, it's not like it doesn't feel like a Christian movie. For it feels like these characters who are encountering a Christmas folklore the way that as people who encounter like a lot of different folklores in their life, you know. Uh, yeah. A lot I can say about that, but Abby, first, why don't you chime in? What was your take on this movie? Well, if mine, the movie I chose was the lightest thing in the world. Uh, this was maybe the hard opposite. Uh, mm-hmm. To me, it was, you know, it tugged on the heartstrings hard. I will say, you know, as a Jew, I probably missed a lot of the Christmas story illusions that were going on there. My experience with the the wise man is like singing the when they saw the star in choir. Uh, <laughs> that's about it. Uh, but I really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was like heartfelt and it was nice to see these characters kind of get that redemption and figure out their stories. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, watching people be sad is not always the most fun Christmas movie for me. It, it's a rough movie. I mean, there, there's, there's ideation, there's suicidal ideation. There's a big part of the movie. Uh, there, there's a lot of depression. There's a lot of really bad fighting and, and discussion of just the horrible things these people have done in the past. Um, so yeah, I, I, it, I can't imagine this being another one of those feel good movies I want to watch, but I do think it's a very wonderful Christmas story. Um, 
I I also feel like, and, and Abby, your your comments were interesting on this. I I don't know much about the person who wrote who who wrote this, but I do know that you know there are Christians in Japan, uh, and I think, but the like these three characters aren't Christian necessarily. They're just going to a nativity because that's where they can be warm and get food because there's a church that's yeah. doing that, and I. In some ways, I feel like this is one of the only movies I think that could get away with having this much of the religious aspects of Christmas because it's told from a in a in a community that is not Christianity is the overculture the way it is here in the United States. Yeah, I think yeah, there's an interesting yeah there's an interesting element that with that for sure, and I I think um, at the same time I think that there's something really interesting with the. The choice of the characters that uh, that Cohn uses here that allows it to kind of reflect, I think, what, you know, a lot of people, uh, certainly the three of us, you know, would argue that the idea of Christmas is one of welcoming you know, all kinds, all people. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a very um, it, it's, you know, a love that embraces everybody, you know, and that's, yeah. you know, the idea of the whole uh, thing with religion that's kind of been. Um, I don't want to. Uh, it, it it's it's kind of gone down different ro- roads. Let's just yeah. say, and um, and that's something that I think, even with characters that aren't, you know, that aren't Christian, that are not what you'd expect in a story like this. Uh, it, I think that it, it certainly isn't going to be something that's going to play on Candace Cameron's network. But it's it is the sort of thing that I think still um, allows it to end up feeling more. Um, you know, welcoming overall to just you know so many. It just it feels like like a much bigger hug. Uh, you know, it's, it's grasping so many more types of people than you normally would get in in some Christmas stories. You know. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things that did pull me in was the fact that Hannah was queer because mm-hmm. I am queer and was not expecting that in this kind of story. Yeah. Yeah. I, one of the things I loved most, I, 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 this made me cry so much during the movie and I may tear up again. One complaint I sometimes have about Christmas movies is they're very much about family. Very, they specifically mean blood family. And I think that can kind of leave out sometimes the families of choice that many of us build, sometimes just because we're, we're distant from our physically distant from our family, but a lot of times because we're emotionally distant, um, either in, a, in a small or very large or you know completely cut off from our families. And particularly in queer communities, that has meant so much. And so when Hannah – excuse me, I'm sorry um, – when Hannah goes to the the club that she used to perform at, Angel Tower, and meets her mama, and it's very clear that this is not her biological mother, but this is within trans women, particularly drag queen societies, um, and the movie, uh, the TV show Drag is, is a great description of this, uh, I'm sorry, Pose, um, uh, the mama is often just an older, also trans woman who adopts younger people, uh, queer, queer kids and, and, and both trans women and, and queer men and, and everyone. And to have that be honored as family, as her family, it meant so much to me. And that, that felt like such a like, yeah, that family connection is just as powerful at Christmas time and is one that we've, that, that when all you're seeing is blood relatives, I think you can feel really left out of. And I just thought that was like such – because it, it, it wasn't made a huge deal of. It was just a, like this is her mama. Um, and I, I just loved that so, so much. The, yeah, that that connection that you have there with – I mean, I, I think it's exactly what you just said. It's it's these people that you – that become your family and they are – they're – that bond is so important and it doesn't matter who it is, how they came into your life. Just the fact that there is that bond there. And we certainly also have it with the three, our our three characters, you know, the three homeless people, you know, and that, that connection uh, that they each have with each other and the draw. And, you know, at the very end, you get that, that reconnection between the young girl and her, her dad, who's the police officer and, and all of these different stories. I mean, it's just, it, it's so full of these connections. And mm-hmm. again, it's just, it's like welcoming all of them and they are, they're all equal. And that's what I think is, is powerful about it. Two other just quick things. Um, I, Abby, was there anything else you wanted to add on that? 
No, I think what you've both said has covered pretty much everything I felt about it. Yeah. Just two other quick things I'll add uh, about the theological side of it. Um, One, just like a a, a small thing, but that I really loved, is that there is one small kind of like supernaturalish moment in the story. Uh, But it feels very magic realism, and maybe it's just a very lucky coincidence. But basically, like when there's this, you know, horrible moment where the baby is falling and, and Hana leaps after the baby to try and catch her, uh, this wind comes up and and catches them in the awning, and it's I think you know, supposed to be kind of like a Christmas miracle of some sorts. And what I loved about that is like sure, there's lots of like Christian Christmas miracle stories, but in Japan, the idea of a sacred wind, like the wind itself in particular, being a locus of miracleness. Um, hmm. I, I, this is something I know very only a very little bit about, so please correct me if I'm getting the details wrong. But I, but I looked into this a little more to make sure I had some of the ideas right. Like even the term kamikaze, which is you know we we associate just with these Japanese pilots, it's it's a reference to a wind that in theory destroyed a fleet that was supposed to be invading yeah. Japan in the Middle Ages, and that that was the idea was that these pilots would be a new version of that. But that's just one example of like divine wind being a very important thing in Japanese mythology often. And so the idea that it was a Christmas miracle, but in a way that has nothing to do with Christianity and it's very much more about the 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 aspects of Japan, I just thought that was really beautiful. That is. Yeah, and I, I, I didn't know – I guess uh, thinking about some other – you know, anime and other Japanese films. I, I I see that in there now. I guess it's just something you know. Uh, I've never really looked into very much, but it, you know, I'm glad that you looked into that and pointed that out because that's actually a really interesting element. I just kind of took it as that magical realism element, but uh, coming from the Japanese culture that way makes it all the more powerful and interesting that they did it that yeah, way. Definitely. Uh, the last thing I'll say, and then this is kind of a nice segue into the my movie that I want to do, which we'll do pretty quickly. The only other critique I often have, especially some of the older holiday movies, is that it always feels like everything is so perfect. Like even in Home Alone, where they literally leave a kid behind, they're in this like very nice, affluent, wealthy family. And that's often what Christmas looked like, which to me, like watching my mother with holes in her shoes go out into the snow to buy us gifts, like didn't relate to. And and I really love the idea that this is this is about Christmas in the midst of brokenness, which is both, I think, just a wonderful, like completely secular idea but also as a part of the christmas story that the evangelical like christ is king and glory and all of this forgets it's supposed to be about these like two starving teenagers who can't find any room anywhere and are literally homeless when they give birth and so i just thought that was just a really beautiful thing um and just about the idea of like the christmas magic in the midst of the brokenness my favorite Christmas movie is hands down a Muppet Christmas Carol. I think it is just a phenomenal movie overall. But the one I pick, because it's probably my second favorite, is Scrooged. Um, if you haven't seen it, Scrooged, it's a Bill Murray movie. It's a 1980s movie. In some ways, it's a wonderful movie. In some ways, it hasn't aged very well, I'm sure. Um, and it's a very, it's a much harsher telling of the uh, Christmas Carol story. There's a lot of meanness in it. Um, but it is it is exactly the Christmas Carol story. There's the three ghosts and it's all this kind of meta story because it's about this TV executive who's producing a version of Christmas Carol, but then his own version of it happens. Um, and I just really love it because it's like I am at heart someone who has a very idealistic core and really loves everything about Christmas, but is also deeply, deeply cynical. And so to have like that core of a beautiful movie wrapped up in all the cynicism and New Yorkness of this movie, I just absolutely love it's a fun movie i haven't seen it in a very very long time i saw it in the theaters when it came out i probably saw it one other time after that and then i just hadn't seen it i always remembered it was there i i I love the music danny elfman's score is fantastic but uh it's just something that has kind of uh it's always sat there as like yeah that's another version of screwed of of, you know the a, a christmas tale story um and Bill Murray is, you know, Bill Murray. He's he's funny. He plays that uh, the uh, awful, you know, TV exec perfectly. Like he's great, just like he, you know, it's kind of the same character he's playing at the start of Groundhog Day, really. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, there are elements that that now you're like, eh, you know, you kind of <laughs> roll your eyes out a little bit. But on the whole, I, I think one of the things that I enjoyed so much about it is 
it's it's an adaptation of a Christmas Carol that also is tying in so many things that I remember growing up as a as a child of the seventies and eighties, where you have all of these like kind of cheesy Christmas specials on TV. Like they're doing this, their whole thing is they're doing this live broadcast and tying that into the story and just how commercialized Christmas is becoming and everything. And all the celebrity cameos that you have, like, you know, uh, Mary Lou Retton as as Tiny Mm -hmm. Tim doing her little backflips and everything. Like it's just, it, those were elements that I had forgotten. And, um, you know, I, it, I love the story of A Christmas Carol. This is another version of it. It's it's not my favorite version of it, but I, I had a lot of fun with it. So I was glad to revisit it. I hear that. Abby? I guess, yeah. Um, so if yeah, it's my okay if you didn't like it. <laughs> so if my movie made me smile and Andy's made me cry, uh, Matthew's, yours made me want to yell. I... <laughs> <laughs> really hate a Christmas Carol stories so <laughs> much. Fair. I think that they are bad and mm-hmm. their their little lesson is bad. I have had enough of watching rich white guys get saved mm-hmm. by acknowledging the poor. Uh-huh. That's very fair. That's very yeah. fair. That there is like as much as I love even a Muppet Christmas Carol the there's a very condescending attitude i think often of like i have come to lower myself to to be with you all that is in mm-hmm. all of the versions yeah yeah and also a, it, oh, sorry go ahead sorry the story itself just doesn't lend itself to having interesting female characters and i think scrooge was uh definitely yeah. affected by that <laughs> that's very fair yeah very of its era yeah, generally there's just the love interest that he lost, and that's, and then maybe his mother, and those are the only female characters that ever show up. That's really fair. Yeah, at least you, we got the aggressive uh, ghost of Christmas present. Yes, oh, she's so good. Uh, played by I, I, I know the woman because she's been in so much. She's Carol Kane. Carol Kane, yeah. thank you. Yes, um, the the she's wife of the 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 wonder wonder worker in princess bride and so yes. many good things yeah 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 yep. it's um you know i'm i'm glad that you brought that up abby because that i i mean i absolutely do love the story of christmas carol it's just something that i've grown up with and i really um enjoy but i would i i i think that it's so important to acknowledge some of the the elements within that story that like people nowadays should take that as a challenge to say, how could we take this story and craft it into something that is more inclusive and that it's, it's not just about this rich, rich white guy, but do something else with the story. And I think that's actually a really interesting thing that I have. Like I am thinking now through all the different versions of the story I've I've seen and I'm like, nobody's really done that. And I think that would actually be uh, worth exploring and something that could make for uh, a, a valuable modernized retelling of that that would you know work for more people than just you know yeah. the the people who connect with that original story because certainly i think that this i think it has become very much the focus is on ebenezer scrooge ebenezer scrooge as a rich man um it has been pointed out that the wealth disparity between ebenezer scrooge and bob cratchit is far smaller than between, for example, Jeff Bezos and the lowest-paid Amazon worker. Bob Cratchit is much <laughs> better paid, uh, and Ebenezer Scrooge is nowhere near as rich. Um, but, but yeah, I think there are the, the kind of larger ideas of like you can still change and do better than you have in the past, and that you can. Like I, I even mentioned it before, but to me, one of the biggest like meanings of Christmas is the idea of abundance. And there's theology to it, but it's also the idea of like. In times of scarcity, it's very easy to fall into the idea of, I have to get mine and you go get yours and I don't care about you. But instead, the idea of like, we're going to build a table together instead of building walls between us is to me very much a, both a theological and a secular idea of Christmas time that, that the Christmas Carol story, I think, can point to. And it doesn't have to be about a rich white guy. You know, it can be about someone else who has abundance in their life in different ways. Yeah. So, yeah. It'd be interesting. Um, so much more we could say on this topic. So I just want to let each of you, if you have kind of a last Christmas thought, uh, Christmas movie thought to share, and then also just let us know kind of where we can find more of your stuff. Uh, so Abby, I'll start with you. Yeah. Um, I'll just say 
give the stupid Hallmark movies a try. Even if you think it's not your thing, give it a hate watch, you know, mock it relentlessly. Sometimes they're fun and they'll lighten your day. Uh, That is my last Christmas movie thought. Um, On the internet, you can't really find me anywhere. Uh, (laughs) You can follow me at, on, I was going to say Twitter, but X, whatever, uh, at Clutching My Pearls, Pearls spelled P-U-R-L-S. Maybe if people follow me, I'll actually start tweeting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I will never dead name a human being, no matter how horrible they are. I will happily dead name Twitter. It is Twitter. It <laughs> remains Twitter. Uh, and I'll just say, I, I will echo, uh, check out Hallmark movies. But also, if you're going to do it, you're, you're worried about it, have someone either watching it with you live or like, you know, watching it with you that you can text about it. Because I as Abby pointed out, I think being able to a little bit like roll your enjoying the bad parts as well as enjoying the good parts, I think actually makes the movies a lot better. And being able to be like, it, it, it's okay if I think this plot point is really contrived, right? And Abby, when you're like, yeah, no, 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 no. I love this movie. But that's a ridiculous reason for two people to be mad at each other. Like that helped make it a lot better for me to watch. <laughs> uh, Andy, what's your kind of last thoughts here? You know, I mean... It's I, I do think that um, the the danger of Christmas movies can be that they they fall into um, a lot of the same tropes. And I mean, there are a lot of uh, even even outside of like the Hallmark Lifetime world. There are a lot of holiday movies that I don't even bother watching. Like I see the trailer and I'm like that. They're just playing on all the same old tropes. They're not doing anything unique and different. And that's I, I think like, why do you have to like you know, just tap into all that stuff again, do something a little more interesting. And so like looking for things like Tokyo Godfathers, which, you know, just like once I saw it, it just like burned into my brain is like, there's a unique telling of, of something that is, um, for, you know, a Christmas story that, that feels different. And that's, that's what I really enjoy. So, um, there are plenty of them out there, you know, and again, you know, as a fan of horror movies, you know, the Christmas horror movies are awfully fun. And, you know, even even with the bad parts, you know, I still had a great time with Violent Night. And so, <laughs> um, it, yeah, I, I, you know, I, you know, the debate about Christmas movies, is it a Christmas movie? Is it not a Christmas movie? I think that's just part of the fun. And the point is that you're watching stuff together and, and enjoying it. And I think that's the key thing. So and uh, where can we find you? Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I podcast over at True Story FM. Um, I'm on the next reel. We do movie podcasts over there. I'm also doing uh, one called Movies We Like, where we bring on somebody from the industry and talk with them about uh, one of their favorite movies. And uh, yeah, and so you you know you can check me out there. I'm on a lot of the socials as Soda Creek Film, so you can find me over there. And uh, yeah, I, I think that pretty much uh, covers it. Yeah. Um. I really echo what you're saying there. I think one thing I've realized is that for me, the commercialization of Christmas is something that I've always really had a problem with. Part of that is because like of my own theology, but even putting that aside, like as a kid of divorced parents who had very different economic backgrounds, watching my mother feel like she had to compete with my father of who would give the best holiday gifts. He gave Hanukkah gifts, but you know, uh, so I've always did like a lot of the Santa Claus elf, like any movie that's about the gift getting side of things. I've heard elf is much better and I'll give it a try one day. Um, but I've mostly stayed away from those. Um, um, but yeah, you know, we all get to enjoy whatever we want to enjoy about Christmas movies. And I think that's awesome. Um, I will just say that, um, of course, Andy, you may well know not only for all the awesome stuff Andy does, but the True Story Podcast, True Story FM Podcast Network is what this podcast and my other podcast, Star Wars Generations, are proud members of. Andy will give me a dirty look because I should have said this at the very beginning, but you can become a member of my podcasts uh, for only $5 a month, $55 a year. It's a great Christmas present for someone in your life. You're looking for something, buy them a one-year membership. Uh, They get bonus, they get ad-free content. They get bonus content. We're going to do a little bit about that at the end of this, about um, other um, uh, holiday movies. But mostly you just get to know you're supporting us. Uh, This is a labor of love, but, you know, the internet, the microphones, the hosting, like all of it costs some money and the time and effort and getting all these great guests. I'd love to be able to to thank them a little bit more. And so every membership that you guys give – not only does it just help physically and monetarily make this possible, but it's such a great reminder to me and to, to the folks who are helping me at True Story that you really care about these podcasts. And so 
If you do, like I said, it's just $5 a month, $55 a year. Really be a great thing. All the information is on um, the show notes, uh, or you can just search for theethicalpanda.com, and it'll take you right there. Uh, and there again, also, you find all the other stuff about this podcast. My other podcast, Star Wars Generations, has really had a great reboot. Um, we will not be talking about the Star Wars Holiday Special. I did that once, and I will <laughs> never do it again. But we are going to be talking a little bit about uh, a 2023 wrap-up of like what happened a year in Star Wars, which will be a lot of fun. So please check out all those things. Check out all the other great podcasts that Andy and Pete and others are doing on the True Story FM network. If you're a member, stick around for some more bonus content in just a second. We have spoken. We have spoken.